What's in the box? What's in the suitcase? What's in the box? Deep shots. Hey everybody, welcome to our one of our favorite episodes of the year of the three that we actually do in a year. Um, it's this is my the, favorite episode of the year. It's the Oscars sure. show. Yay! Yay. We, need, we need intro music. Like, bah, you know, bah, bah, we, bah. Well, dude, we do have intro music. There's oh, a yeah. big R in it. Yeah, that's right. What's in the we box? Need, What's in the box? Special, we need special Oscar music. Yeah, we probably do. If we so, were professionals. Oscars. 20, well, I guess this is 2023. I guess that's how they call it, but it's for the, you know, the year night of the year of 1922, the year of 2022 movie year in movies. Yeah. Slavic, what did you think of this crop of movies that we have nominated? Maybe we should run through the nominations first for uh, all those who aren't paying attention to the world. Yeah. So I can run through them. Would you like me to do that? The names? Uh, I've got them in alphabetical order. Oh, you- whoa. I do not. I just have them in random order. So in alphabetical order, we have All Quiet on the Western Front. It's a German movie that's on Netflix. About World War One. About World War One. Uh, then we have Avatar, The Way of Water, James Cameron. Uh, sequel to the 2008 film, something like that. Yeah, sure, it's fair to call it a sequel, maybe more of a copy. We have The Banshees of Inisherin, movie starring uh, Colin Farrell and... Brendan Gleeson, same director as uh, In Bruges, mm. and those two making them movie. making their uh, return. Uh, we have Elvis, a finger quotes biopic uh, about Elvis by Baz Luhrmann. We have uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, directed by The Daniels, starring Michelle Yeoh, Kia Kwan, Michelle Stephanie Hsu. Yeah, uh, it's just a you know standard mother. <laughs> Goes on a uh, on an adventure and, and learns to love her family. That's, that's just a standard movie. We then have okay. Tar by Todd Field, starring Kate Blanchett, and then The Fablemans, uh, the latest from Steven Spielberg. Yep. Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness. I don't even need to talk about Top Gun Maverick. That's why I moved on so quickly. Uh, Triangle of Sadness by Ruben Oslin. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and then women talking a uh, a movie by Sarah Polly. So Slavic, what did you think of this uh, this crop of movies? So I ha- I struggled a little bit with this crop to be honest with you, Wade. I didn't think that a lot of them were Oscar quality. But the funny thing is, is I have a movie ranked pretty high uh, in my rankings, but don't believe that it should be an Oscar movie. My range from rating these movies is from, let's see, the highest one I have is an 87. The lowest I have is a 20. So big range. But these movies, for whatever reason, didn't speak to me as well as we've done other years. And I'm not sure (laughs) if that's a quality issue. And I let me apologize I am fighting a little something in my voice, so if you hear a little raspiness, it's just my voice getting a little fatigued. Cancer sucks, so let's just move on from there. I am surprised by what got into the into the Oscar qualifications, if you may. What are your thoughts, Wade? Well, I kind of, when I do my ratings, I usually think to myself, like, 75 and above is a 
what I would consider worthy of a potential Oscar nomination. And so I have... Oh, that's interesting you said that. I have four movies that are 75 and above of this crop. Wow. Wow. Hold on. Just just how crazy. I have four that are over 75 myself. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. it, though. <laughs> yeah. I have two others that are pretty close. And then I have one kind of in the middle and a bunch and a couple down below. But yeah, I think overall... You know, looking at 21, 22, and 23, I probably like the crop of movies in, in 21, actually, the best. And again, in 22, probably second, and 23, probably last. But there's there's definitely some movies here that I really enjoyed. There's two movies that I think will, will last for me and will be movies that I go back to pretty frequently. I think... The surprising thing to me is that how many of these movies kind of snuck in. Like, if you go down the list of the movies over time, there's ones in here that just do not hold up. Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, without further ado, right, let's get into it. So let's talk about how we're going to do the format here. Yeah, so uh, this is the way we typically do it. We'll we'll go through our list kind of one by one, but we won't really expand upon the movie until we get to the person who has it higher rated so we may talk about avatar and when but we won't talk about and expand upon it until we get to the person who has it rated higher do you want to give your number 10 movie slavic we'll give our rating that when we first say it but we won't expand upon it until we get to the other person who has it at that same spot i've said that three times now so i'm gonna stop saying that Nah, that's okay. We like to be very concise around our rules and regulations for the Oscar movies. Yeah. Yeah, so mine, I, I don't know that this is a big surprise for anybody. My number 10 is Avatar The Way of Water. Yeah. Um, so we can discuss this movie now because it's also my number 10. <laughs> yeah, so to me this was a carbon copy of the first one. James Cameron kind of just... I don't know how he pulls off these miracles, but this one seems like a miracle to me that it's getting as much money as it is. I don't have anything against Sam Worthington or Zoe Zelanda, Sigourney Weaver, Zaldana. You don't see them. You see the blue versions of them. I, I Look, at I. this just isn't an Oscar movie for me. The story's very plain Jane. Whales instead of, what were we, trees before? <laughs> I don't even remember the other one. And unobtainium was the uh, was the mineral they were mining in the first one. Now they're yeah. Now they're mining whale brain goo. Yeah. So, you know, where the first one had this spectacle of 3D, I think that kind of hey, I'm gonna go check this out in 3D. This one has no gimmick. It's just kind of I don't know. I guess I was expecting more, but this one definitely should not have been an Oscar movie for me. Yeah, it's pretty much a disgrace of a nomination for me. I, I mean, I'm shocked that it got a nomination. Just to follow up on what you were saying, it has grossed almost $2.3 billion worldwide, which makes it the number three box office hit of all time. Domestically, it's only pulled down $671 million, but even that makes it the ninth highest rated or the, the highest grossing movie domestically of all time. I honestly don't understand. I mean, I was awed by the first Avatar the first time I saw it. Like, and you know, just the the visuals of it were, were great. But then once you kind of sat with it 
What's the Kevin Costner movie? Dances with Wolves, Water it's da- Yeah, it's Dances with Wolves with blue people, with with aliens. I, I, I just, I don't understand why people want to. I want to act in this movie. I mean, did you know Kate Winslet is in this movie? Like, it's hilarious that you say that because I'm looking on my screen right now that Kate Winslet is there, and I didn't want to. I, I mentioned Sam, Zoe, and Sigourney, yeah. and then I'm like, shit, I don't remember Kate being in this. Yeah, she's the wife. She's the wife of the the water chief. Yeah, and and again, Zoe Saldana has virtually nothing to do in this movie after you know having a, a very big part in the first one. Um, it's ma- basically Sam Worthington's movie, and crazily, it's Stephen Lang's movie as this whole setup to get this Quaritch, the the Marine, back into this movie after he died in the first one. Yeah. I, I just don't understand it. But the the absolute worst, and again, I can't believe this is a, an Oscar nominee, is this performance by the the and I don't even know who it was, this this guy who plays the whale hunter, the the lead whale hunter. It's so obnoxious, so over the top, and and just so ridiculous that, you know, it just really took me out of the movie. More than the the weird visuals of having the you know humans running alongside of these blue alien people, I just I, I don't know why they just don't make this a fully animated film. I don't I don't know who would want to act in these movies, and I think I've said enough. But so I mean, this is where it gets kind of stupid: is that he's making billions of dollars on this franchise, yeah. and so somebody's really enjoying this. I mean, I don't know. It, the story to me was a lot of nothing. I mean, it's the same story. Um, Other- I wanted to ask you, we had talked about Sam Worthington before on another podcast, mm-hmm. and you had said he's kind of a plain Jane actor. Yeah. Um, did he, did his performance to and this one change anything? No, not at all. I mean, I, I again, because you don't really see his face, and I, it's just, it's not, acting to me i i don't know i it, i don't get it's it's no different almost than an animated movie and i beyond that like i don't understand why cameron has to have actually real actors for this like isn't there is it cheaper to do it that this way it can't be i mean it doesn't look realistic so is yeah, it the budget's you know, already got to be hundreds of millions of dollars so i don't know yeah, i just don't understand it well my rating for this one was a 20 yeah, um, I had it as a 35, which is, you know, higher than you, but still not a great movie. You know, it that's a, uh, a just bad movie versus a, a very bad movie and for your 20. So why don't you yeah. give me your number nine? My number nine was Triangle of Sadness. Wow. I have that. I have that higher. So why don't you give me your rating for it? And we'll talk about it when we get to it. Triangle of Sadness was a 31 for me. My number nine is everything everywhere all at once and i have it as a 42 i have it a little bit higher than you but we'll be coming across it very soon yeah i uh we'll talk about that more then so why don't you give me your number eight my number eight was elvis so my number eight is elvis so we can talk about elvis now (laughs) elvis Uh, i guess we i want to first start by saying i'm a Big Elvis fan. I grew up in an Elvis house. I like Elvis songs. I I love to listen to Elvis. I I, I am uh, I was really excited for this movie. I've liked Baz Luhrmann's other movies, but to me, you know, this movie isn't 
there's not a whole lot of acting in this movie to me. It's like a collection of clips and newsreels and highlights and performances rather than a movie. I mean, the, the, I mean, Elvis goes there, he follows an arc, but it's really more about Colonel Tom to me and how Colonel Tom, you know, Colonel Parker didn't, uh, you know, didn't allow him to do certain things. And, and Tom Hanks's performance in this is just atrocious. The, the accent is really, really weird. And I, you know, I've heard, I've seen tapes of Colonel Tom Parker. He didn't, he didn't have that accent at all. I mean, he has a weird accent, but not that. And it's so, it's just a really mediocre movie to me. I enjoyed the recreations of these performances, but that doesn't make it a good movie. Yeah, I struggled with this one very similarly the way you did, where it was jumping around all over the place. I'm more of a Beatles guy than a Elvis guy, so I was somewhat excited to see this, to see kind of his story and really understand his entire life arc, because I honestly didn't know that much about it. So it, it starts off with kind of his connection to his mom and somewhat about music in Memphis and I don't, Tom Hanks just seems very over the top all the time on, on this. And he's, you're right, his accent is, is goofy to say the least. And I don't know, for me, the movie, on top of everything else, this pill-pushing, drug-pushing, whole scenario thing got really old for me. I didn't fully connect with this movie. I, I struggled paying attention to it because I was like, where are they now? What are they doing now? So, yeah, I I don't think it was a complete movie. And I'm not sure why they cast Tom Hanks. Can you explain it? Why did they cast him for Colonel Tom Parker? I just, I, I didn't, it didn't connect. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, it's, I'd love to hear, I, I need to try to find an interview with, with Luhrmann as to why he forefronted this really awful dude in the movie. It just, it just totally takes away from it. And I, you know, I should also say, I've been to Graceland twice it, I, in the past like three or four years you know once with my wife and once with my mother and I, you know so i learned a lot about elvis that way so I, I guess maybe it just not living up to that to me was was a big a big downside to it well i'm, I'm not sure i agree with you because i don't know anything about elvis i've been yeah. to graceland once i walked through some of the rooms yeah. i didn't spend a ton of time there and i didn't connect with this movie either yeah. the, the one saving grace and i'll let you get back to your point yeah for me is saving grace and kind of like a missed opportunity for me is Austin Butler. I thought he yeah. actually did a really great job as Elvis. He yeah. just didn't have a complete arc. He didn't have a complete story to like really push through his acting chops. And I guess even now they're like, he sounds like Elvis still. He sounds like <laughs> Elvis still and he can't, he can't get away from it. But I thought he was kind of the shining actor in the series and, and tom actually brings him down the only reason i can think they use tom hanks my final point is he's innate right so austin butler to me is kind of a new guy into the acting world and tom hanks is the anchor that brings people into the seats yeah i i mean i really i thought austin butler you know he, he looked like elvis he sounded like elvis and but i honestly i don't I don't I don't remember too many scenes where he actually acted. There was the the scene at the end with Priscilla in the in the limo and 
there's I guess the scene in the closet after his mother dies when he's crying but there but those scenes didn't even really connect to me because it's it's such a herky-jerky pace of the whole movie yeah right that it just in the in the pace of the movie is so breakneck that I I I guess I again those scenes just didn't even land really for me so when I think back over watching I have a hard time remembering those scenes like i don't even remember i mean i obviously i just watch it so i do but they're not they don't resonate with me in any kind of way so i don't know the last thing i'll say is the very final scene is they start with austin butler uh singing unchained melody as the fat elvis at the very end of his life and then they transform it to the real elvis singing that say doing that same performance and then they flash to other Elvis performances actually which we've seen throughout the movie with Austin Butler and I think to me it was just a reminder how much the real thing of Elvis is actually much more compelling than this movie mm. to me it kind of like deflated the whole movie like oh yeah I'd, I'd actually just go rather you know find some Elvis videos on YouTube and watch those instead of this movie because that's really all it is the highlights of this movie are the recreations of the performances and if I in and really I'd rather watch the actual performances than these recreations. So, yeah, I'm somewhat surprised because I the the Elton John movie and the Queen movie really seemed to hit home runs for me, and this one just kind of fell flat on its face. So for me, my rating for Elvis was a 33, wow. which may have been a little harsh. So the problem with doing it the way we do this is that I feel like I have to have a range of really good middle and bad so i might be beating up on that one a little bit harder than so i i will put an asterisk that i get to revisit some of my lower ones but i don't think i'll move 20 i don't think yeah. avatar will move off 20 for me yeah i had it as a 49 because of the austin butler performance and the movie looks great and it's stylish but i just there was so much to it that that really left me wanting something else that i i couldn't rate i couldn't rate it any higher I think that's what you come away with this movie is they don't take advantage of this story that they have in front of them, right? They kind of yeah. chop it up and beat it up. So, all right. So where are we? What um what number? Your I need your number seven. Shit, my number seven. Everything, everywhere, all at once is my number seven. Okay, so we can talk about that because that was my number nine. So why don't you go ahead on that? So this movie, very similarly to the Elvis movie, was all over the place for me. I never really connected. Honestly, I don't understand why we did this movie. It's... I should say, this this is the favorite to win Best Picture. I know, right it's now. so ridiculous to me, too, because <laughs> look, at everybody's doing multiverse. And for some reason, in my brain, in my bald head, I tend to let marvel and i'm going to excuse dc probably too to get away with this i mean to have this multiverse turn into a family story where she finds love again just did not connect with me at all when they're in costumes and they're superheroes and they're beating up people in the quantum realm or they're shooting through new york to find other pym particles or whatever okay you don't need this to tell a good story about family life. And it kind of drove me nuts. So that's yeah. that's where I'm at. To me, 
you know, I I, I kind of made a joke up front that it's it's a it's a simple movie. A mother learns to love and accept her family, you know, as she goes on this action adventure. Yeah. So then we take it a step further. It's got the multiverse attached to it. The overall storyline, I, I liked these generational and cultural divides and, and bridging those gaps. But it's so hokey and feels like it's got ADHD. And actually, I heard the, the Daniels on, on Marin the other day, and they were talking about how one of the directors actually does have ADHD. But the, the, the filmmaking style is so manic or antic. To be honest, when I first saw this movie, I left with about an hour left to go. I couldn't get through it. When the people jump on the butt plugs, I, I just was like, I'm, this is not for me. I'm out. And yeah. the dild the fight with the dildos and the hot dog fingers, like I, I it's just not for me. Like I, I, I just I can't say it any other way other than it's just not for me. So I mean so that made it worse for me when I found out that it they were trying to connect these things to ADHD, depression, and some of these family issues. Cause I didn't it was so callous with it. It wasn't real like those hot dog fingers i was just like what the f like i can't believe wade's making me watch this stupid movie <laughs> i didn't make you watch it this is our duty as podcasters yes, to yes. watch this movie sir simon but i feel better that you walked out on it and my rating for this one was a 45 you know what's interesting about this one so for me definitely shouldn't be in the oscars and when I walk away from this movie, I go, man, would I feel differently about this movie and the humor in it or the attempted humor in it if it wasn't supposed to be an Oscar movie? Right. So do I do I elevate my criteria for this? film? And, and maybe in six months I should rewatch it. But do I elevate my criteria for this movie because it's an Oscar movie? That, well, because, see, I saw it when it came out in March or April of 2022 i saw it and there was buzz about it but there, there definitely wasn't like oh this is a best picture nominee at the time and i i was like everyone who told me this movie is awesome can go fuck themselves because i just i, I just I, again just not for me i think yeah I, you know i have it as a 42 and again it's my nine you, you know our ratings are about the same but you have it as your seven so our ratings you know are about the same it's interesting. There was another movie very similar to this that everybody told me. Most amazing film of all time. You gotta go see it. It's great. It's amazing. And when I went and saw it, I was just like, oh my god, I thought it was horrible. Called Hidden Tiger Crouching. Oh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, oh, yeah, also, yeah. Star also starring Michelle Yeoh. Also starring Michelle Yeoh, but like it was just kind of the same thing. It never... I never connected with it because the story was kind of, I don't know, it was hard to follow. But I walked away with this one just not that impressed, didn't get the humor, was kind of pissed off that they treated bigger concepts as poorly as they did. So yeah. for me, it was a 45. I would say I did enjoy seeing Kehe Kwan back on the screen. You know, big fan of Temple of Doom, big fan of the Goonies. So to have him back, and apparently he's going to win Best Supporting Actor. So uh, I'm happy for him. I did think the Rakakuni thing was actually kind of funny. I mean, they do what they can with the material. I mean, I don't think any of the acting is necessarily that bad. Um, I like to see Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, she's great. I didn't like her whole get up. I, I just thought it, I thought it was a little weird and over the top. I did like when the you know one of the multiverses where it literally went to like Michelle Yeoh's life. 
you know, it was actually, <laughs> you know, she was a famous actress and, you know, she looked great. You know, she's at a movie premiere or whatever it was. I thought that was pretty cool. That was the favorite multiverse, I guess. It was her and Kihai Kwan talking about, you know, how what they could have had had they stayed together. I thought that was interesting and, and, and well done. But again, overall, just for the movie, it wasn't for me. Yeah, me neither. So I think I need to give my number seven since that was your number seven. And my number seven is women talking. Oh, okay. I assume you have that a little bit higher. I do. I have okay. it way high, way higher. <laughs> wow. So I have that as a 62. So the three, my three bottom avatar, everything all at once and Elvis were kind of below fifties. I have, this is a 62. I talked previously how kind of 74 is kind of where I think Oscar nominations should be. But uh, yeah, I have this as a 62. So we'll move on to your number six and talk about women talking once we get up a little bit higher. Yeah, so my number six is the Steven Spielberg story, The Fablements. Yeah, I have that a little bit higher, so we'll talk about that soon. What's your rating on uh, on Fablements? 48. Okay, so my number six is All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I have that as a 70. My ratings, I think, are a little jumbled towards the higher end. Yep. We'll talk about that when we get to it on Slavic Sign. What's your number five, Slavic? My number five, Tar. We will talk about that later. What is your uh, rating for Tar? My rating for Tar was a 52. 52. Uh, so my number five is The Fablemans. So we can talk about The Fablemans. I have The Fablemans much higher than you, even though it's my it's six and five. I have it as a 71. I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a beautifully shot. I think the one thing that I detracted from this movie is I, I think you have to know a lot about Steven Spielberg to actually really enjoy this movie. Yeah, like the camera shots and the landscape stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's really odd to me that it was so kind of niche. And, and then also, the, you know, there's the story of this the mother and father. Um, kind of, you see how that it shaped Spielberg. You know, the, he has this artistic mother and this technologic, I don't want to say genius, but technologically savvy father and and again the kind of blending of that is is kind of how we get our steven spielberg movies but ultimately like like almost a whole act of this movie didn't land with me the whole his whole high school thing with the bully and then the bully getting upset about the movie and it just i don't know that just didn't land with me and then the other thing is michelle williams i I, I, she's in a different movie. Her affect and whatever she's doing was like, I, it was like she was in a 1930s movie and everyone else was in a, a movie that was made in 2020. It, Her casting very, is horrible all around. Yeah. Um, for me, she, yeah. I think that's probably the worst part of the movie. Nothing against her. I think she's a fine actress. I just think, you know, you're, you're, you're portraying a, a Jewish mom yeah. and, you know, I don't know that you nailed it out of the park on this one. I feel like I'm I'm saying a lot of detractions about it for a movie that I have rated 71. It's a beautiful looking movie and it's a really fun movie to look at. And again, I know a lot about Steven Spielberg and so I enjoyed most of the story. So I I liked the movie in the end, but I just I I still don't, I don't think it's an Oscar movie again based on the the rating that I have for it. I'm really surprised this is an Oscar movie. It's a nice story. Yeah. Some of the bullying and then the anti-Semitic abuse was a little hard. I mean, it seemed like, holy cow, nobody's stepping in on some of this stuff. 
But ultimately, I mean, it is a beautiful film. Maybe part of me couldn't get past that the the guy is doing kind of an autobiography movie on himself. And it speaks a little bit to, like, I remember that scene about how he's getting lambasted around this, this landscape thing. And, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that impressive that he moved a camera up or down or whatever he did. Oh, I thought that um, was kind of cool. I mean, it, it was, it, you know, again, David Lynch is, uh, you know, playing John Ford and, uh, you know, who's one of his idols, the young man's idols. Uh, and then, uh, again, the, the end, at the very end, the, you know, the camera moves up. And I thought that was kind of cool just from the, sp- the, the standpoint of... The thing we see a lot of in Spielberg or Amblin movies are people kind of looking up. You think about it in Close Encounters or in Jurassic yep. Park or what have you. Empire you know, they're kind of they're kind of look up, looking up at the camera. And so I, I thought that was kind of cool. I thought, you know, and he they've worked together for so long, the Amblin Entertainment folks, that um, Janusz Kaminski, who's the cinematographer, yeah, he just knows how to hit the right beats in this movie and and. They, they really do do a nice job. It's just not... To me, this isn't an Oscar movie. This is just a good movie. Yeah. It's not a great movie. It's just an okay movie. So my rating for it was 48. Yeah. So you gave Tar as your number five. Fableman's was my number five. So what is your number four, Slavic? Mm, we're getting into it now. Yeah, this is yeah we're right. getting into it. <laughs> so my number four is Top Gun Maverick. Wow. So, what's your rating on Top Gun? What rating on Top Gun is an 80. I fucking love this movie. I fucking love this movie. An 80? The problem is, yeah. Wow. So, you have four movies that are 80 or higher. Correct. Wow. So, when we first talked about this movie, we filled out our spreadsheet. And I took those ratings back off the sheet once it was nominated for an Oscar. Because we didn't want to have... You know those. So originally you had this movie as a 90 and you dropped it down to an 80. Well, so that was, so I think it's because of this Oscar scale, right? So to me, this isn't an Oscar movie. This should not, and I don't know if we should be talking about it now. Is yours a number four? Oh, no, it's not at number four. So, so then let's time yeah, out. Yeah, time yeah. out. <laughs> but man, we want to talk about Top Gun, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so my number four is a movie that you had much, much lower and it's Triangle of Sadness. Oh. I have Triangle of Sadness as a 79. You had it as a 31 and your number nine movie. So I guess let's have it out over the Triangle so let, of Sadness. Let's be honest here. This is your movie. This is your type of movie, right? Yeah. yeah. It's very relationship chaos that you enjoy. You forgive the spectacle of them ending up on an island. <laughs> fucking still in their drama mode not in yeah. survival mode you're you're let's this is your kind of movie so what pissed me off about this movie is that um it's very superficial it it's a big it's a big joke but if i hadn't seen white lotus for two seasons mm-hmm. where to me white lotus did it with so much more class and it wasn't in your face as much this is three hours. Is it three hours? It's almost three hours, right? Of just, mm, I, I just, I couldn't get into Carl and Yaya. I hated the yacht. Woody Harrelson, somewhat of a shining star in this because, I mean, 
I mean, I, it, it, it's just not. This this movie isn't for me. This movie's definitely for you. I uh, I really liked it. You know, I compare it a little bit to Don't Look Up from last year, in that, and I. But it's it's much more effective than Don't Look Up. But it, you know, it's it's definitely a satire. I did. I really didn't like Don't Look Up. But you didn't like Don't Look Up. Uh, yeah, I want to make hate, that clear. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I hated it. So uh, yin but and this, yang I, here. But I think this is is much more effective. Um, you know, obviously we get we have a lot of these stories recently, kind of the eat the rich fable. You know, it's obviously about kind of how capitalism is running our lives and ruining our lives. I really loved this for the first act of this before they got on the boat. And the, the, these two people in the fashion world having these arguments, um, you know, where she's more famous and how the power structure of that relationship is is kind of upended because she has more fame and more money. I thought that was all very real to me. I mean, very real. The second act, again, very humorous. Woody Harrelson was great. I could have used like 90% less diarrhea. I thought it was hilarious once, you know, everything's hell started breaking loose and this did, Russian, did, the Russian like fertilizer. The yeah, the Russian fertilizer king and Woody Harrelson are having a debate about communism and capitalism. Yeah. I, I thought that was great. I, to be honest, I never laughed harder in any one of these movies than when the old lady picks up the hand grenade and then they zoomed out and they, you know, the hand grenade went off and then the boat blew up. I, I that was hilarious to me. I loved it. Um, but I don't the, understand how you forgive. How do you forgive? Like I, you, this is where I don't understand because don't look up was so much more grounded in somewhat reality right this this movie's not real it's a cartoon don't look up was not based in reality dude much more structure <laughs> than this much more this is out there dude but then the, just hold the... a grenade and goes boom <laughs> and they all end up on an island it's yeah. crazy. the third act i loved every second of it i the you know just how how power you know again the 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 dynamics of power are are upended again and we end up with one of the you know maids on the ship being kind of the lord of the flies the king of the island there and but also how absolute power corrupts absolutely you know she ends up you know abusing her power i but i what i what i really loved is kind of the conversation that i can have with people about the ending so what did you think? Uh, do you do you remember the ending of this movie? Good laugh when this island that they think they've been stranded on is actually a resort at some point. It's a resort, right? And they're running through the jungle and they stumble across. Well, so then at the end, the uh, the the model who has been shuffled to the bottom of the power structure of this island is sitting out there looking at the water, and the maid decides she has to go. Who's been the 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 king of the island has to go pee after they realize that they're on this island of the resort. And she's like, uh, let's just sit here for a minute. And then the, the model says, Oh, maybe when we get back to the mainland, you can be, you know, you can be my assistant. And they cut kind of right there. And as the lady's picking up a rock, you know, she's yeah. about to potentially knock her out and kill her, but she's been given kind of a life raft or does she want, but does she now want that power dynamic to flip-flop well, again? She's given more work, right? And does she want the bigger, better work? 
Oh man, I thought that was great. I thought that was great. And then, and I gotta tell you, that didn't resonate with me as much as it did with you. Holy shit! And then beyond that, then we see the boyfriend Carl of yeah. both of them. Um, you know, running through the woods. And again, what is he? Ru- is he running to save his model? You know, potential fiance, or is he running to the aid of the Asian maid who come to his aid during this time so on the island? You think she becomes the assistant, or she? Uh... What do you think? Blows her with a rock. You know, I would guess that she probably hit her with the rock. <laughs> You're um, always a downer, dude. <laughs> yeah. But I Dolly De Leon is Abigail who plays the the I keep saying the Asian maid. I think she was fantastic in this movie. I'm I'm shocked that she wasn't nominated for an Oscar. I thought she was great. Yeah. So I have this movie as a 79 against Slavic. You have it as a 31. That's uh that's disappointing yeah. to me. So, what's your number three? So, this is where it gets kind of goofy for me because I've teeter-tottered between three and two for me. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, number three, it technically could be number two. Number three is women talking for me. Hmm. Okay. So, I had that much lower. Well, I had it as a 62. What's your rating? Uh, I had women talking as an 85. Wow. So I guess I'll give the downer talk about this, and then you can uh, you can you can build it up. I thought there was some good performances here. I'm a big fan of Jesse Buckley. She plays Marish in this movie. Uh, she's one of the kind of harder women of of the group. I I thought that Rooney Mara and Claire Foy's performances were kind of weird and and stilted. I couldn't tell if the dialogue was like intentionally stilted because of kind of their culture or their education level. Or if it was just kind of bad acting or in script reading, it felt this movie felt like a play to me. It didn't feel like a full blown movie production. And yes, it. I mean, it it suffers from kind of having this one setting. They these women gathering in the barn to talk about their future because they've been abused by the the men of this Mennonite community uh, over time. Nastily. Nastily, totally. I thought it was kind of weird to have the, the narration by these these younger women who don't play much of a role in the movie. I think that that was supposed to be the the one male actor in the movie, Ben Wishaw, was supposed to do that narration. But I, I think that would also be kind of weird, being that the movie's called Women Talking, and if we have a male narrator, it it just felt better suited as a play for me. I mean, the topic obviously, I I enjoyed some of the conversation on a whole, but I just felt more more often than not that this was much better suited as a play and didn't have as many theatrical elements to it to make it a Best Picture nominee. So this movie hit me in the right stride, I think. I thought, so I guess let me start with my downers. I didn't particularly care that it was, I, I didn't need the added religious tone in this. So I didn't need that they were Mennonites or that they were, but what I liked was how, women of varying generations were having this elevated debate about what they should do with their lives and the passions that came with it where you're saying Mara was kind of stilted and and not I think that's where that's where she I mean I think the way she was acting kind of fit that she's been suppressed for years you know kind of a muted performance all around the interesting thing to me, I kept watching this going, are they going to kill that boy that's recording this thing? Like, if they actually decide mm-hmm. to do something, don't they have to kill him? 
because he's staying behind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I equated this to a movie, and my my freaking screen got screwed up. There was a movie years ago, maybe it's called Twelve Angry Men, mm-hmm. about men stuck in a jury room where they're debating the future. Yes, of, Twelve Angry Men. I saw a lot of parallels between that and this. I thought these women were faced with a crisis. They had an opportunity. There was reasons to stay, reasons to leave, and reasons to fight. And each, there was obviously leaders for each cause, and I thought they did a real nice job. The the ending kind of shrunk a little bit that they just kind of decided we're just going to leave. But I thought it was done extremely well and powerful performances. And the topic was extremely hard. I thought uh, it's powerful to see women in these role and these types of roles where I have these debates around Star Wars and how you don't see how people grow and you don't see women in in real life situations, powerful, edu- or smart, forward thinking. And in this movie, I thought they did a great job of doing exactly that. So that's why I ranked it. I ranked it an 86. I'm sorry, an 85. Can I point out that I, I just went through your our other ratings? And so in 85, you also have, from last year, Dune. Love Dune. Dune's and from, good. And from two years ago, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 85s. Love, I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, And you think you think this movie is on par with those two? Yeah, I think it's a different type of movie. I think. Hmm. Okay. You, so just look at the three. I'm glad that your ratings are are holding together for you. So then. let me that's, let me that's great. Let me say this right. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a movie that is incredible, but for a different reason, right? Dune mm-hmm. is an incredible movie for a different reason. Women talking speaks to me because I like those types of debates, right? So mm-hmm. for me, it's a pretty powerful movie. And I, it, for me, it lines up pretty well. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad. To... Let me put it to you this way. It's a movie I would like to sit down when my daughter's old enough and go, let's watch this movie together. For sure. For sure. The, the last thing I'll say about it is Francis McDormand being in this movie for like 30 seconds or whatever it is, three minutes. It's just, it was distracting. Like, I kept waiting for her to come back. And they do show her at the very end as all the women are leaving and she's staying behind. Frances McDormand's in this movie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's, <laughs> yeah. She's the one who stands up and says, look, you know, you guys can have your debate, but I'm staying. You know, like, I, I it's our duty to stay. And I think she's a producer of the movie or, or what have you, so they gave her a role. But again, she's like three-time Best Actress winner, Frances McDormand, and... She's like barely in the movie, so I, I kept waiting for her to like come back in and let's be honest, start spitting let's some more dialogue. The great thing about Francis McDormand is landscapes, man, <laughs> and a gate, bro. Let's be honest, that gate acted those that those gate acted so well. Should get her the Oscar. <laughs> You're a dick. Uh, so my, I think we're at my Three. number. That was. That was your number three. So my number three is the Banshees of Inisherin. 
Whoa, what? Yeah, Get yeah. Get the fuck out of here. So I have that as an 81, which is below women talking for you, but uh, I have it as an 81. I thought so. this was going to be your golden ticket movie. This seems like so you. Yeah, well, are we? Uh, is it your number two? It is my no. Uh, it is my number two. Yeah. Okay, so then we can talk about it now. So, what's your rating on the Banshees of Inisherin? Eighty-five. Wow. So, but you have it just slightly higher. I'm than, sorry, uh, 86. 86. 86. Okay. Yeah, women talking was an eighty-five. Sorry. So yeah, I I really did like Banshees of Inisherin. I have a couple movies higher. Banshees, uh, I, the acting in this movie, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keown or Keegan. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that guy's name. Uh, I think it, we've talked about him several times on this podcast, yeah, and I've never said his name sad right. That he kills I thought he was fantastic. He's incredible in this movie. You're, you're Tell me you didn't shed a tear when you find out he... Oh, just terrible. Brutal. Just terrible. brutal. This whole movie's brutal, actually. <laughs> yes. This movie's tough watch. I dug it. I dug the... My interpretation of this meeting, uh, movie is kind of more kind of the lengths that we as men will go through to not discuss our mental health. You know, you and I have this podcast where we'll sit here and spit about movies and very rarely do we check in with each other. And I and I have that same relationship with, with many other men in my life. Oh, I don't agree with that. We, you and I check in more than most, I think. Yeah. I don't know that I'm ever chopping off my finger for you, though. <laughs> But also, I just, I loved how kind of sometimes, you know, we choose our own prisons and our stubbornness can hurt each other. You know, at the very end, Colin Farrell says, sometimes there's no moving on. There's things there's there's no moving on from. And I think that's a good thing. And I, I don't think that's a good thing, but it, it's just very emblematic of of this movie and, and what it's trying to say. Uh, and again, these kind of prisons we create, these guys, these guys are on this island and, you know, he could leave, but he chooses to stay because I think he has a love for this guy. But at the same time, he he knows that he's got to not fight him to the death, but battle him, whether it's verbally or what have you, until he can uh, be at peace with that. Well, I think they do a nice job of isolating them, right? And I think when somebody makes a decision that I'm not going to have you in my life anymore... It rocks your boat if that's all you have. And, and I mean, he has a sister, I guess, and I'm talking about Colin Farrell's character. Mm -hmm. the, that, I guess, from what I understand, this is supposed to be some kind of irony towards the Irish War, Civil War. And there's some, mm -hmm. there's some parallels to just how ridiculous Civil Wars can be, right? Well, it's just and it's just kind of like all quiet on the Western Front. You know, sometimes you're fighting and you and you really don't even know the reasons why. Right, right, right. And so I thought you said good points. I guess I'll just add in, in, instead of I I can't believe that this isn't your number one, which is scary because I think Tar is going to be your number one now, which is going to make me tear up a little <laughs> bit. I think the cinematography in this movie, the 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 town and the landscapes. Are somewhat of a story in itself in this, and, and I think they do a great job of just setting these tones. Is the premise somewhat ridiculous? It is because you know it's the perfect storm. They're isolated. This guy decides, Brendan Gleeson's character, I'm just not going to be your friend anymore, and you know it creates havoc. Um, is that yep. 
is is this it's the perfect storm to set up this scenario that they eventually one up each other to the point where they don't even realize they're one up in each other anymore so i thought it was i thought it was good i can't i can't believe they I did enjoy, you know, Brendan Gleeson's argument. It resonated with me. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't know how much time I have on this earth and I want to devote my time to doing something worthwhile. And again, similar to Tar, which we will discuss coming up, you know, about art and what lasts. And I think that's, that's an interesting discussion, but at the same time, you know, Colin Farrell has, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm nice. I, I, you know, you, you think I'm dull, but I'm, I'm nice. Right. And I think that counts. I think that counts for something. So, uh, you know, I kind of see both sides of what they're saying. Obviously I wouldn't go to the, the extremes of cutting my fingers off, but I, I just, I could sympathize with, with, with both sides. And, you know, there are people in my life who I've, I've moved on from because I, I don't know that they've grown in the same, you know, and matured in the same way that I do. And, we, you know, the things that we used to talk about, I, I don't, you know, that person still wants to kind of have those kind of discussions and I'm not interested in it anymore. And, you know, it, it, this movie did resonate with me in a, in a lot of different ways, but I have it as my third favorite movie and I have it as an 81 and Slavic, you have it as your second favorite movie and it's an 86. Yeah. So we can move on to my number two movie which we can now fully discuss because it's Top Gun Maverick mm. and I have it as an 85 and uh, yeah. So similar to your 80. Yeah. Um, I also had this movie rated higher previously. Um, I may, I think your rationale is pretty similar in that once it became an Oscar movie, do I want to rate it more on order with other Oscar movies? And yeah, it's not an Oscar movie. It's a superhero story. And it's again my rate this movie is so high for me because of just what it how it makes me feel you know it's there's the nostalgia aspect there's just the you know f yeah america aspect to it and then beyond that i think the filmmaking here is actually pretty incredible if you watch any of the features of the movie or listen to any of the people who talk about how many hours they spent in the cockpit of an actual f18 or whatever it is yeah. And and how they filmed all this, it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, you, what else can we say? We 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 spent like almost a half hour on the on this podcast a couple of months ago talking about it. Yeah, I mean, so this is a movie that is ridiculous. That is an Oscar nominee. Is it a yeah. great movie? It's a great movie. Is it artsy? Yeah. Eh, it's probably not that artsy. The story is very convoluted. Uh, he is a superhero in this. In this, he's no longer the original Maverick that he was in the first movie, they've kind of moved away from the seriousness that the original Top Gun was. Mm -hmm. I mean, they basically have to do a video game maneuver into a volcano. Basically is what it well, turns it's, out to be. It's a Star Wars. It's, it's the, it's the final, final fight from Star that's Wars, right? right? right. You know, the, <laughs> yeah, the Death Star run. Yeah. It, somehow it's the Death Star run, but then they still end up in an F-14, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But for all the same reasons, it's a fun movie. It And maybe our standards are wrong. I mean, if, it, if this movie elicits such a reaction where you're fun and you enjoy it and you want to watch it again, maybe that's what an Oscar movie should be, you know? Because some of the ones that we've talked about, 
you might not ever see again, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so maybe the Academy is right to throw in an action film every once in a while. You know they're never going to yeah. throw in a horror movie. So maybe maybe action's where they start. A horror movie or a horror movie? I misspoke because of my voice. <laughs> Thanks for sticking a needle in my eye, you big jerk head. Sorry. Sorry. So I, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast before, but what do you think about the theories out there that... Because, again, the very first action scene we see in this movie, you know, Mav gets this plane up to Mach 10, and it blows up, but he survives. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think about the theories out there that everything after that is is Mav's dying dreams? It's ridiculous. That's not. Come on, Superman doesn't die. <laughs> but I mean, again, we. It's impossible for him to have lived through ejecting at Mach ten. It's I just know, he, he'd be on. like this is just, he'd be torn up. This is just. Um, one final hurrah where they kind of let him get away. I mean, obviously, you know, we don't know what happened. They cut away. They showed yeah. the that he yeah. hit it. Maybe he slowed down and pulled over. You never know, man. <laughs> yeah. The other, the, uh, again, the, the one detraction from that would be that, you know, in his dying dream, I don't think Iceman would die. So, right. you know. It, he would Iceman oh, would miraculously man, that scene with Val yeah. Kilmer it still yeah. resonates and is still yeah. super emotional. You're like, holy crap, what a great scene to put in a movie. And then you know, Jennifer Conley, who else what else oh. you gotta say? I mean, she's <laughs> yeah. she's great. And you know, yeah. John Hamm plays a pretty I love that one scene where uh the one I don't know who the actor is, but um Maverick's like it's good to be back. And the guy's like, yeah, they're called orders. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a great, great scene. So, yeah. The, the only other thing I would say about it is I, I think it's kind of weird that Miles Teller shows up at the bar uh, where his father used to play uh, Great Balls of Fire. But he's also kind of wearing this like Hawaiian outfit, acting like he's this like loosey goosey character. But if you, I, I just don't, I, I, I don't know that if my, you know, my dad died that I'd be playing the piano at the same bar and singing the same song that my dad. I don't know. It just seems kind of weird. But then also, it, again, it, the, the first time we meet him, he's kind of this loosey-goosey character. But that's not his. He's not this maverick in the air. He's actually kind of like tight wound. So it just that kind of weird. Seems like you're nitpicking. Is that really the same bar? I guess I never picked up on that because she's running I, the bar now. Yeah, yeah, I think it's supposed to be the same bar. Well, I guess I didn't, I didn't connect those dots, but um, I don't know. I thought the whole thing with Mav. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk more about this movie because this is really our number one. Is that that there's a tie into the first movie with Jennifer Connelly's Penny Benjamin is the mm -hmm. Admiral's daughter, yeah. which I thought was pretty funny that they connected that, but. I actually picked up on that when I first saw it. I'm like, holy shit, that's because I, well, of course, the other thing was I watched the original Top Gun like a couple of hours before I went and saw the the second one. Yeah, so, yeah. so your number one Slavic is all quiet on the Western Front. I uh, I should have known that. Yeah. I, sh I should have known that. I have it as a 70 and it's my sixth favorite movie. But uh, what's your rating on All Quiet on the Western Front? So for me, this was an 87. Hold on, my uh, before we my my boy David, who's one of our listeners, yeah, it's also his favorite movie, and I'm I'm elated. 
that you and him agree on uh, All Quiet on the Western well, Front. Well, obviously, he knows what the hell he's talking about. He likes to agree with Slaw Dog. Whereas you're going to rake Tar, which is, oh man, a tough movie to even get through. I, I struggled with it. Hmm. So which one do you want to talk about first? Oh, we'll go with All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, good, because I won't have much to say about Tar. So let me say this. So I have precedence on my side for All Quiet on the Western Front because another great couple great war movies also got nominated and won, right? So Saving Private Ryan, um, which I would really, these two movies are simply incredible. So what do I like? I like that this is about World War One, which if you ask anybody, most people don't even know about World War One, they kind of mix up one and two very clearly. They don't understand this trench warfare that was going on. And I love the perspective of how the movie starts, that these German boys, the four guys, are all friends and they're all gun ho mm-hmm. to get into this war and they wanna they wanna, you know, and the propaganda's out there to but really you're just a cog in a big wheel. And mm-hmm. You think you have you you think you know because you're young and you're dumb and you have all this purpose and significance to the people around you that you're gonna have the same in this big war and and I love how they pick apart the four boys over time you know some die early some die late but they show that war is war and war sucks balls and some general might be sitting miles away saying, no, we're going to go storm the trenches again. And you don't have any other choice but to do it. The I mean, there's so many crazy scenes in this movie that resonate. And the production of this movie, to make this movie, to me, is an Oscar-level commitment, right? You had to have the technology of, of these old tanks, the... That when, when they're walking around with those flamethrowers, when the tanks are coming over the trenches, somebody had to create that. And I've talked about this before, that there's points for the production value. There's, there, you get, if you, you know, and, and that's why women talking to me will never be a number one moving because it's in a barn, right? It's a couple women talking. There's just not the same quality of production that All Quiet on the Western Front creates. I know that I will never steal a man's chicken because ultimately their son's going to kill me in the middle of the woods. It was a goose. Well, all right, so a goose. You know, there's just so many things that resonate. Like, I mean, there's that crazy death scene that reminds you of Saving Private Ryan where the guys yeah. just won't die. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's gut wrenching, and and you walk away thinking about that movie. So, for me, the historical perspective, the acting, the way that they they did this movie, flat out incredible. Definitely for me, it deserves the Oscar, and I'll be very disappointed that when it doesn't get it. I mean, I had this movie rated as a seventy, you know, which is a good movie. I just feel like I've seen it before. It's this movie is brutal, but effective. War is hell. Uh, there's there's a hopelessness to it. I just, again, it didn't feel like anything, any kind of new ground was being trudged here for me. Other than a whole other war. I mean, it was World War One, not World yeah. War Two or Vietnam, which we have yeah. millions of movies on. But World War One, 
1918 was a World War One movie just two years ago, and it's, it's very similar. I mean, Saving Private Ryan had its thin red line. I mean, that's just the way, yeah. because they yeah. mobilize all those productions, so you got to get two or three <laughs> movies out of it. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, I you know we I already said it with Banshees of Inisherin. I I I do like the theme of you know sometimes you just don't even know what you're fighting for anymore. You know, I the the kicker here. To me was the the end credits where they say like this you know they show this one battlefield several times and they talk about how the lines moved like a total of a hundred yards over the entire war and like several hundred thousand people died on those battlefields over you know 60 yards or or whatever it was but again just nothing really new to me here uh and that I enjoyed it. It was one of the only movies that I didn't see on the big screen. I think I might, maybe it would have been more effective for me on the big screen. It, it is a beautiful looking movie, even on you know my TV. It just didn't seem like it was breaking new ground to me, and so I I have it you know below some other kind of what I think are more uh, better cinematic achievements. So and again, All Quiet on the Western Front, as far as I know, I mean maybe it was in big cities, but it's a Netflix movie, you know, so it didn't even really have the opportunity to see it on a big screen. At least here in uh, in Western New York. Well, I believe it was made in by the by German production yeah. company. I thought, man, what a interesting perspective that they that it, it feels so crazy that that they did this movie and they did it so well. And I, I'm surprised that you. I, I wish maybe you did see it on the big screen. I will call this out too that Daniel Bruhl, mm-hmm. which is played by. Am I gonna say this right? No, Daniel Bruhl's the actor. Math hit the he he's the German ambassador, or I, I'm not 100 percent mm-hmm. sure what he is, but yeah, the his sense of like I'm not getting anywhere, but I gotta keep trying to negotiate this piece because mm-hmm. every time I don't, I don't know. It was pretty cool. More people and, are dying. And pretty suspenseful to me. So I thought they did a great job with this movie and. Let's talk about Tar. So, Tar. I fucking love this movie. I have it as an 86, which is a little bit lower than where you have your number one movie. Yeah. But, man, I have never seen any of other Todd Field movies, but I need to go watch him. He's only done three. He's only directed three movies. Let's one's uh, in the be- one's called In the Bedroom. Little Children and in, in, in the, the bedroom. bedroom. I've never seen. Yeah. Every shot of this movie is interesting to me. I think it's... You know, even when they're in apartments and what have you, the way this movie is filmed, and again, I go back to the Fablemans with just the way, you know, the angles and perspectives, I think is really interesting to me. Obviously, the the movie's about hubris and having excess pride, you know, power, narcissism, you know, the falseness of idolatry. It is played by Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Kate Blanchett is. I mean, this is a, such a fantastic character, uh, Lydia Tar. Again, similar to Banshees of Inisherin, we have talk of art and you know what lasts. And I just can't get enough of this movie. The movie is funny to me. There's, you know, incredible. I, I laugh a lot in this movie. I just I. I but there's there's just several very long scenes that are wonders. That scene when she's attacking this BIPOC pangender male who wants to be a, a conductor. And, you know, she's really tearing him apart. Mm-hmm. 
But that scene, it, that's a one shot, man. That whole scene, there's no cuts. Yep. And, it, and, and the camera moves around that auditorium, and it is it's it probably the the best scene outside of a movie that I'll talk about coming up here that I saw in a movie this year. It it's so I thought it was virtuosic the the the, the directing here. I just really love this movie. I think it's it's fantastic to look at. It's it's got a lot to say, and I'll stop and let you talk about it after saying that. This ending of this movie is so incredible. I laughed my ass off. I just, I loved it. I loved the ending here. I don't want to, I guess, want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen the movie oh, yet. I was but just I think about that, to say, no, I won't say it. I think the ending is incredible. Yeah, so what I liked, I, I think some of the devices that you're talking about as far as the direction are definitely interesting, neat. I think that she should get if she hasn't, I mean, I don't know. I you obviously know more than I do about whether or not Kate will get. Nom- is she nominated for best? Actress? Yeah, she's she, she. Her her and Michelle Yeoh are the front runners she, for best actress. She does an amazing job. This not only is the character full of hubris and narcissism and overly confident, but the movie is too. Because I most of the time have no fucking clue what they're talking about. Well, but see, but see, that's I, I kind of like that when movies do that, and I like it when like Succession and uh, another show, Industry, does it. They drop you into the world and and make you figure it out. Like they're not gonna dumb it down for you and and tell you what an arpeggio is and what a uh, what have you. I, I, you know, I I like that. And again, treat me like an adult and make me f- go figure it out if I'm that interested. Yeah, you know? so for me, it totally took away from, and maybe you're right. Maybe this movie is too sophisticated for my dumb brain. <laughs> but for me, it just never. Maybe I couldn't get past how she, her character was just brutal. Like I, she's just such a, for lack. I, I want to see. I want to. I want to call her something I shouldn't call anybody. Right? Because mm-hmm. it just came across as as. And I told you, man, I, I watched a half half of it, and I was like, man, I can't believe Wade's making me watch this. <laughs> and then I watched the ending of it. The ending is actually where you're like, oh, yeah, send her to that brothel. That's the yeah. spoil. And then, ha-ha, look what you're scoring now, crazy lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there is some payoff at the end, but it's difficult. I mean, I rated it a 52. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think know, it was a bad middling. movie. I didn't think it was a bad yeah. movie. I didn't think it was. Um, there's better qualified Oscar movies in than Tar for me. I think you got to be in the right frame of mind for it because it it is a tough watch at times. But I think you should go back and watch it and just pay attention to the filmmaking rather than the story. And I think you'll have a, a much better appreciation for it the other thing that i thought was interesting and i was wondering if it was a little meta the credits roll first in this movie and they roll all of the credits in in reverse order to what they normally run when you're watching a movie and so obviously i what i take from that is that he's wants to celebrate finger quotes all the little people that helped make this movie and that he's not putting himself on the pedestal that Lydia Tarr puts herself on. Mm. But I was also wondering if 
And I'm just wondering if any of this is a little shot at other directors that he's worked for, you know, again, putting, putting the credits first and kind of this, again, I'll say the falseness of idolatry where we, you know, we put these, we put these people up on pedestals and, you know, sometimes that they're, they're up on pedestals because of the people that have lifted them there. Um, that I, I think might, might be playing into the story here. And I don't think he would ever say that out loud, but it's just something I thought of while I was watching that. So Slavic, we we've done it again. We've, uh, we've ranked our movies. I like our lists. We did a good job. I'm glad that you, um, you finally got through the movies, uh, even though it, it felt like more homework to you than, than normal. Well, I mean, it was just, it was the timing of it this year was a little harder than normal, but I appreciate the patience. I did make it through. You know, what's funny is the order of watching these movies, especially when you're trying to cram them down. If you do the order wrong and you come across the movie, you're like, what am I doing here? And you're like, mm, I got to watch another and another. And, and so I feel a little bit of pride in that, right? Because I love movies so much that when I don't like a movie, it really kind of drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. I think our lists are pretty good. I am I still am pretty shocked that Banshees didn't win for you. Yeah, I had it near the top, but I, I watched Tar a second time. And it pushed it past. I had, you know, Maverick as my number one movie for most of this. But once I watched Tar a second time, I really, really, it elevated it for me. You think everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win? Well, that's the, it's the odds on betting favorite right now. It's, it's in negative 1200 odds. I just can't imagine uh, anything else sneaking up past it right now. Mm. To me... Tar has been dropping in the in the betting odds, and I, I I just really I think that's crazy to me. Between that and Banshees, those were the my two, I guess ones that I would have expected. Again, like we've talked, I I really like Top Gun, but I don't think it has a chance at all. It's interesting too to me that you went with Tar, where a story I don't know if it was last year or two years ago about a writer in Hollywood, Mank. Was, was somewhat of a similar he's arrogant pompous there's a, there's he's he's got believers he's got non-believers and in the end he kind of loses despite himself albeit more of a true story on that one i i just i can't follow your zigzag pattern the i guess mank i just i didn't really connect with it i i thought it it felt like dress up to me. I, that was my was my kind of one big hang up with the movie, but it does lead me to another point, and I want to talk about a couple movies that I think should have been nominated, and one that I want you to, it's it you got to put it at the top of your list, and I want a podcast about it next. What is it? And it's Babylon. Babylon. It's on Peacock right now, so you can get it, and it's about old Hollywood. Uh, it's about when. Uh, Pictures became moving pictures became talkies and it's about old Hollywood and the what a lot of, uh, you know, the folks who were part of Hollywood, what they went through to bring us to where we are today. I did see the trailer for this. You saw this already? Yeah, I think it's an incredible movie. It's got terrible reviews. The cast is amazing, if I remember right. Got a a very ardent level of supporters, a group of supporters, and I'm one of them. 
I, I think it's an incredible movie. I, again, filmmaking wise, it's an incredible movie, but it also has the one of the best scenes I've seen in a movie all year. I'll won't spoil that just right now, but you really got to go see it, and I think you'll really like it. All right, I'll make sure to do it by next Tuesday so we can pat on it. Yep. Other movies that I think to me are better than some of the movies on this list that again i'd like you to see and we can talk about nope by jordan peele really uh interesting spectacle of a movie the northman which uh again we've talked we i think we talked about in the past i don't think you've seen that though another movie that i really like this year that i know that you've seen but we haven't talked about on the podcast too much is windfall and i i think that would have been an interesting nomination had that made it that's the movie with jason siegel and lily collins and jesse plemons Kind of the little where he the the home invasion movie where he, you know, comes in. I, I really like that movie. The ending is crazy. Uh, in that movie. I still think about that ending. And then uh, a couple other movies, I guess, that are kind of on the lower end of my ratings. Of they're they're below seventy four, but I would have I would have liked to seen him get a little more love. One is Causeway with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. It's a very kind of very quiet movie but it's got a lot of really interesting dialogue and discussions a really good movie and then the other one that i'm surprised wasn't nominated very oscar Beatty to me it w- is uh i did but i didn't like it a lot but again i, I would have put it above some of the other movies on here it is the woman king viola davis very kind of standard triumphant you know period piece with the triumphant rise to power Again, but it's a it's a woman who rises to power in in Africa. Again, very well done movie. I but uh, just I have these other movies rated higher. And but I I'm surprised more than anything that it wasn't nominated. It wasn't in the theaters very long. Um. Yeah. I mean, it seemed it came and go, and I saw it when it came back. It was a reissue in January. I saw it. It's on Netflix right now. Oh, really? Um, I'm gonna check it out. I yeah. wanted to see it in the theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you forgot about one movie that I'm really disappointed that you didn't mention. Um, I don't know if you've seen this movie or not, and I'm surprised that I've seen it before you, but Puss in Boots is out. <laughs> and, yeah, um, I have not. I have not seen the Puss in Boots movie, so pontificate on Puss in Boots. I had the pleasure of seeing it with my daughter, my son, and his friend. And... Um, the most amazing thing about it was that um, I, I don't know how they do this, but the fairy tale connections to legitimate fairy tales is awesome. I think that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was a good movie. So Bandit, hmm. ba- Puss in Boots, for whatever reason, I, love, I really love that movie, that franchise. Are you watching any TV? You know, I, I have the last episode of Poker Face still to watch. I really enjoy that. Uh, show I got two uh, even episodes you, done but it's hard to watch you don't like it as much i have not started watching the new man the new mandalorian i don't i'm sure i will at some point i'm just andor did not i mean i love andor but i know mandalorian is not andor but I, i'm i think mandalorian's creeping a little bit more towards the kenobi and boba fett side of the uh the, the ledger there on disney plus so i haven't got to that yet I don't have um, any interest in seeing Mandalorian, unfortunately. And The Last of Us has really run out of steam for me. I'll finish it. It really peaked for me with episode three, and it's kind of been downhill since. I think there's a lot of problems with the way that they've crafted this story. 
in that it's not it's not a zombie story and i don't think they're doing a very good job of developing characters at the same time and you know we talked about how it had in the very first couple episodes it had a nice balance and i talked about station 11 and how it was you know a nice balance between station 11 and the walking dead but it's on it's honestly like there's not enough not enough tension or conflict there, there's some bands of raiders running around but it doesn't seem like that there's very much threat of the mushroom people anymore at all like they don't even and i don't know if it's a budget reason or what but they they if you do several episodes without them yeah and when they do show up when they do show up there's just one of them so yeah they're not doing a good job we talked about this on on kind of the side that there's no threat right it just seems like people have moved on and they can navigate this threat that kind of destroyed the world and now they're piecing it back together so what are we, what are we really watching there is a show coming out other than ted lasso that we we will be excited to watch there's a there's another show coming out my wife actually pointed it out to me on apple tv i'm trying to find the name of it right now but i'm going to spit it out there for you because you might know the name it has to do with several generations in or several decades in the future at different times and how the climate has changed it's got like every freaking actor in it i'm trying to think of the name and i'm on apple tv's website right now trying to find it and i can't seem to find it but we looked at the we looked at the trailers yesterday cuz i'm giving slow horses another try because I'm kind of in... I never watched the second season of that, but I really enjoyed the first season. Yeah, so I'm trying to find... Extrapolation. Extrapolation. That's it. How did you find that? Did you find that online? I just went up upcoming shows, but I know nothing about this. Who's in it? I don't know. It looks it looks really freaking good. And um, give my wife props. She knew about it way before we did, um, which isn't the normal case. I still can't find it. Diane Lane, Isaac Gonzalez, Marion Cotillard. Hmm. Yeah, I know nothing about this show. It looks super Toby interesting. Ma- Toby McGuire, Forrest Whitaker, David Diggs, Kit Harrington, John Snow's in it. Matthew Reese, Heather Graham. Yeah, so I think we got to put that one on our agenda. And then, you know of any good movies coming out? Well, the one thing that we didn't talk about, we went from, uh, we, we got off of TV. The last, the final season of Succession is coming out at the end of this month. And I am can't wait, but I also don't want it to be over. Are you so most I'm, stoked for Succession or Ted Lasso? Succession, oh. by far. Wow, okay. Yeah. I mean, I love, Ted, I love Ted Lasso, but Succession is... Succession's up there, and if they stick the landing, it's going to be very close to my top three shows of all time, I think. Wow. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I think we've up? covered it today. Tonight. We'll, yeah, for sure. We'll uh, do a recap when we get the Oscars out. Are you going to watch the Oscars? Yeah, I'll be there, you know, for all the slap jokes and what have you. I can guarantee you that I will not be watching it. So I will eagerly anticipate who will be slapped in the face this year. Yeah, great. All right, everybody. Thank you. Uh, Third annual.
Oscar show complete in the books. Can't wait for number four. All right, now you just got to edit this in 20 minutes. So we'll talk to you guys later. (laughs) Have a good night. Good night. That concludes the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'd love to get your support and your opinion of the podcast. So please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Deep Shots Pod and on Facebook, Deep Shots Podcasts. Email your comments, opinions, and future show suggestions at deepshotspod at gmail.com. Stay safe. Much love. Bye.